OTB GAA. One of the fathers was mentioning the cows that half six or seven on the, on the, on the Monday morning, they started crying that we we'll just have to win in the county final yesterday. Subscribe to the OTB GAA podcast feed wherever you get your podcasts. Off the ball daily. Welcome, welcome. We've got a cracking lineup on the show this evening. Brian O'Driscoll here for Wednesday Night Rugby. That will be at 8 o'clock. We have a football show featuring Jonathan Wilson, who has literally written the book on Argentinian football. He'll talk to us about you can uh, guess what. Graeme Hunter will also be on because he is Graeme Hunter, uh, is the truth there. Uh, back from Doha in Scotland now. Before that, Arthur O'Dea and Mick McCarthy of Team OTB, famously, famously of Team OTB, will pick out some sporting moments of the year. Their own personal highlights and lowlights from 2022 in sporting terms if we get into personal issues that will be fine too Mick hello (laughs) (laughs) Joe I'm in here I have no laptop I I, I came in here what two minutes past seven yeah uh, running around the place I've I've forgotten my day job I can't I've forgotten my day job because I've been looking over the 2022 year in sport (laughs) arguing about which Gaelic football match I liked more more on that and on but uh can't help but notice you're wearing enormous headphones as well. Yeah, I can't find any of the, the studio <laughs> headphones. I mean, everything's gone completely wrong because I've been trying to make a list. That's genuinely, it's the most plain, straightforward list of all time. It's not your best look on air. <laughs> I, so Okay, well, we have studio headphones and someone seems to have taken the truth. No, it's all right, though. Now that I think about it, actually, they're traditionally what radio headphones would be, big headphones. Oh, yeah, but we're, we're, we're TV. We really man. are. Yeah, we really are. Yeah. Uh, Rich McCormick, what headphones do you have on? Uh, I ha- I have the crappy ones, uh, which are my Ooh. own kind of we're not old you, school. Oh, oh, we're here now. There we got you, go. you now. We got you now. Yeah, should be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I've got the crappy stringy ones, uh, uh, which I didn't nick from the studio, Mick. Uh, just in case, Richie, you're, to, you're never here. You know, I'd never, you'd never be the first person I'd go yeah. to. Bet the last person we'd accuse that. That's true. You never know. It could be creeping in during the night with my fob to use you know, the printer, away the assets of the studio, and to use the printer exactly because the toner is gone here. So I need to, yeah. A lot, lot of printer being used for Christmas gifts over the last few days. Yeah, the, I'd imagine the the paper count is low in the office, in offices all around the country. In fact, well, I presume you've all had the experience of when you're printing off personal documents of some kind and you hit print, and then the, you, there's the sprint to make sure no one else is at the printer. Nobody picks up your Ryanair voucher. But obviously the worst case scenario then is if the printer isn't working and you can't get it resolved (laughs) and you're like, well, clearly, if this is fixed and then the printer prints... Your personal document. My CV that I'm sending off to... Depending jobs. (laughs) Dear Declan McBennett. (laughs) I wasn't going to go specific. (laughs) Richie would have. I would have, yeah, to be fair. Uh, That's always a scary... I'll sometimes do a test print. Oh yeah, make sure everything's working. Let's make sure everything's in order. You're a very careful, man, Joe. We're so. What about what about Joe? What about if you've printed something off Uh and you see one of those CVs that you're sending off to Decky McBee, uh, and you know the printer isn't working, but it will get working later. So it's gone and basically is sat in the queue until the thing is operational That's again. What and picks it up. I, I was just saying that. Yeah, there's there is no worse feeling. I mean, I've 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 camped out next to a printer on several occasions overnight. Just in case. <laughs> Waiting for Brian Keaveney to come in the morning and save my life. <laughs> <laughs> As he has done to everybody in this building yeah, yeah, many, many times. Indeed. Happy Christmas, Brian. One of the greats, Brian. Yeah, well, keeps the place yeah. working. So, um, well, Mick and Arthur are going to pick out some 
highlights, their sporting highlights from 2022. We'll do that between half seven and eight o'clock. Please text in. This is not a, you know, when you open a newspaper and it's a, here is the definitive list of 2022. This is a more uh, personal version of events on their part. So by all means, text in anything you want us to mention or that merits mention. There's no point complaining afterwards. Richie, is there something we should absolutely, without question, touch upon if we're daring to touch on 2022? Oof, um, what is numero uno? From, from uh, Off the top of my head. Yeah. Uh, Sorry, I've just sprung this on Richie, which is on me. terribly unfair. Uh, uh, Taylor Serrano is up there, I think. Yeah, that's the one. Uh, think. In terms of both occasion and the actual... It's one of those weird ones whereby uh, hype and the amount of waiting actually bore itself out in the event itself in that it was it lived up to expectations which doesn't really happen uh, which really happens I should say um, which is great and from a personal standpoint like I absolutely loved being in and around Morocco for those two knockout games against Spain and Portugal because um, yeah it was just special uh, to be in a country that was buying into things as readily and as openly as they were um, and it was just complete happenstance complete blind dumb luck um, and yeah enjoyed every second I was probably more nervous than a lot of the locals were especially during the Portugal match I was reading Mick Foley in the Sunday Times and there is always the worry with something like Taylor and Serrano that were being parochial yeah and that it didn't really rock the world the way we like to tell ourselves it did and yet the Taylor Serrano fight is due or expected to win four of the nine Ring Magazine awards for the fights of 2022. Mm. So it absolutely 100% uh, touched a nerve beyond well, the biggest fight Serrano of the year by a mile, yeah, yeah, and best fight as well. I would yeah, say. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I think that's uh, definitely going to get a mention. 53106, get in touch, you'll get us out off the ball as well. Were you going to come in there? No, I was just going to say I can confirm that it will get a mention. It is on my list. Okay. So the news round is, as ever, brought to you with our friends at Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day. And we're starting with Carabao Cup. Oh, yeah. It's live ball on tonight, uh, Joe. Uh, and Manchester United back in action uh, for the first time in five and a half weeks. They take on championship leaders Burnley at Old Trafford. There's an eight o'clock kickoff there. A pretty strong Manchester United team. Uh, players returning from the World Cup included in their starting 11 uh, include Casemiro and Christian Eriksen and indeed uh, Marcus Rashford. Also in there is Bruno Fernandes who captains the side and there's a start in goal for Martin Dubravka ahead of David De Gea who is on the bench for Burnley Josh Cullen starts in the centre of their midfield and they also have Luke McNally on their bench tonight's other ties both kick off at 7.45 Brighton are away to Charlton Evan Ferguson and Andrew Moran are on the bench for the Seagulls uh, and Nottingham Forest are away to Blackburn for whom Sammy Schmodix starts up top or in, actually in midfield but yeah Sammy Schmodix starting for, uh, for Blackburn tonight I'm just not ready for this I will get there by Stephen's Day, no problem. Yeah, I'll be all over the football over Christmas. But the thought this evening of a post-match interview with Eric Ten Hag is disturbingly grim. I never... It's a very strange thing to say that a Manchester United game feels small time. Yeah. Because it isn't. That's unfair. Like, I mean, I know it's the Carabao Cup and so on, but it's just... I think it's far too soon. Oh, we are just not conditioned for it. No. You know, we talk about the sporting calendar a lot, actually, and how much it just influences the way we watch sport. But it's like to have competitive club football three days, two days, actually, even last night after the, the World Cup final, it, it just messes with the senses completely. 
I can't say I care. Look, I mean, I think you're right because I think Christmas, you expect top-notch Premier League football the day after Christmas. Yeah. That's what we're used to. Christmas will be a more of a factor in our lives than the World Cup final from a week before and we'll get into it and we'll be fine. It's all this week thinking about clubs. Look at the, like, I honestly just, I was just in a meeting earlier today and there was a load of the tabloids just uh, thrown on the table. And I just, I'm always just flicking through and it's like, back page City, back page United, back page Liverpool. And I'm like, what is going on? Who are these teams? Oh, Mick, 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 just wait. We've got another couple of weeks until the transfer window uh, brushes itself oh, open. I'll be fine by then, though. I'll yeah. be fine by then. I won't care about Argentina and France and all. But right now, I'm like, God almighty, I don't need to see Manchester City players in Christmas suits or whatever it was. <laughs> Promise me this now, Michael. Yes. Manchester United lose 5-0 this evening. If you have Andy Mitten on the show tomorrow to do a United in Crisis piece, then I just give up. <laughs> uh, I'm going to let Arthur produce well. tomorrow actually I've got too much to do before Christmas so <laughs> that's his call <laughs> uh, there's a text in from Brian no surname could be Keevney don't know could be O'Driscoll uh, Joe welcome to 2022 it's a sarky start to the message I'll give you that uh, he says when you print something though you can pick secure print whereby you have to input a four digit code in the printer before it prints Ooh. do ours have that? No one knows. The problem with that is you'd have to learn how to use the printer as well as your computer to get to the printer. And I don't think you're the greatest at that. I mean, I think you're you're very much a kind of a... Does that computer print? Does that computer print? Mm -hmm. What's going on here? Yeah, I'll pick and Um, choose what I spend my time learning. Yeah, fair enough. That was a pretty sarky response. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, I don't think you want to add a layer of complication to the whole thing. Well, secure print sounds intriguing to me. Own asks, what will the atmosphere be like in the PSG dressing room between Messi and Mbappe post-World Cup? I think fine. Yeah, these things are always fine. I think game respects game. This would be like Shane Walsh and David Clifford rocking up and saying, look, we were both amazing. Yeah, I think it might be I, slightly different if, uh, sorry, Mick, I think it might be slightly different if Emmy Martinez was in that Paris Saint Germain dressing room <laughs> and he had to confront uh, Kylian Mbappe. That's a different story. Well, yeah, so uh, what's happened here? I, I, I saw a headline Martinez, the goalkeeper, has been accused of mocking Mbappe. He, ha- he had a, uh, on the, was it the open, open, yeah, on the bus, open top yeah. bus tour? Yeah. Uh, he had a little baby doll. Uh, over which was the face of Kylian Mbappe. I'm not sure if it was crying or not, but it certainly was a representation of Mbappe being an Mbappe, as uh, uh, one John Jaws might call him, yeah. Not since Carlos Tevez uh, had Alex Ferguson or IP or something, was there been an open top bus? Yeah. <laughs> like uh, Emmy Martinez, as much as I love him, and his uh, S-housery, I'm cursing too much in the news round. I'm going to try and uh, tone it down a little bit. Yeah, you went uh, off in one yesterday. As much as uh, I love it all, he's coming across as a massive baby this week. Uh, not, a, not, not a very good winner so far. Really? Um, ah, yeah, like, I mean, some of that stuff is silly, like, you know, but... What was the... So, Philippe Beauclair certainly pinpointed him throwing the ball away during the shootout. Is oh, that, he was terrible during the shootout. Did you not see any of that? Yeah, I, I, I love that. I did a bit. I just think all is fair and love him more, no? Yeah, I fine. I don't, I don't have yeah. a problem with it. I told you, I said I, I, I love it in some ways. But then again, if I think if I was cheering for France or if I was French, I'd be pretty angry. At it. But look, that's what he's trying to do. Yeah. I mean, he did the exact same thing. Like he basically made Yerry Mina cry in the Copa America final. That's almost what made him famous. Oh, you know. And then pass me by. Oh yeah, there was a whole big thing there. Like and then like I mean, he is the ultimate uh, Mind uh, game player. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because he did uh, obviously draw significant attention for his celebration with the. Golden buff <laughs> and uh, dignitary looking on, less yeah. than impressed. So, what did you think of that? So, my initial thought was, Oh, Emmy, for feck's sake. Like, you just said you wouldn't curse. Feck isn't a curse, is it? Well, I don't think we're allowed to no, say on the radio. Not. Apologies, everyone. Are we not? 
Do you want to explain ah, to the kids in the car repeating it now to everyone? Well, you've, you've drawn attention to it now, Joe. But like, <laughs> don't laugh if they do, they say it. That's the big thing. Anyway, Emmy, what are you doing yeah. to that picture of the screen grab and your man looking on? It just it went to a whole new level of funny mm. and worth it. Then you know, so I don't know. Depends what your perspective is, I suppose. I didn't really. I I would like to have seen the context of that photo. Did you not see the live him doing it live? No, it was odd screen. Like he no. literally went up, got the golden glove or whatever it's right. called, kind of a bit of a monstrosity of a trophy, yeah. and then just yeah, put it to his went into the position of the photo, and did a trust, yeah, <laughs> right, with a kind of a silly face on him, and it was like, oh man, <laughs> like what are you doing? <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> this is this is your moment. You've just been named goalkeeper <laughs> in the World Cup. You just kind of was like, why? What made you do he was that? Asked like, about, you know? He was asked about it afterwards. He says, I did it because the French booed me. Pride does not work with me, that he told Argentine radio station La Red. He's an emotional sense. character, Martin. Doesn't make any sense. Even the way he did doesn't no. make sense. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> don't analyse why it doesn't exactly, make sense. Exactly, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I'm, I'm wary of what I'm allowed to say and not say now as well. So, so we'll push on. The Republic <laughs> like of Ireland. Mick. Yeah, the Republic of Ireland. They've announced a friendly. This is a few days before the French game. Yeah, we should mention, by the way, that uh, Arsenal are in Women's Champions League action at the moment. They are going to top uh, Group C because they're 8-1 up away to Zurich with uh, 17 and a half minutes to play in Switzerland. The other game in that group still goes between Lyon and Juventus. But as you mentioned there, Joe, yeah, the Republic of Ireland will warm up for the start of their European Championship qualifying campaign with a friendly at home to Latvia, the Baltic nation, visiting the Aviva Stadium on March 22nd, five days before Stephen Kenny's side take on France in their first qualifier. Ireland have won all five of their previous encounters with Latvia the most recent of which came under Martin O'Neill in 2013 Martin O'Neill's first match show we were there I believe broadcasting from the Aviva Stadium that night oh yeah yeah in a watching it from a nice corporate box not the greatest atmosphere I would say in the world was it 3-0 Richie 3 0, yeah. I think Robbie Keane got the first one. I can't remember who got the others. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it was a handy enough win. The O'Neill and Keane era. It was 2013. And all the promise to come. Ivan Yates was hanging around that box that evening for some reason. Uh, he would be, yeah. That sounds about right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a text in uh, Mick, watch your language. You are a disgrace. Sorry. Says, uh, I don't want to be you know, seen as the, the language guy. You wouldn't get away with that across the UK. Well, we're not in the UK, Joe. No, I know that, yeah. Hundreds of years a, ago, something happened. As a corresponding broadcasting culture. They take it too far. They're under... Like it's it's uh, panic station. I grew up listening to Jerry Ryan on the radio. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could say... Post-Watershed, when they apologise for stuff that was half-heard on field mics, is just... Yeah, that's beyond, the ultimate. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Shane Larry hits a bad shot. Yeah. Doesn't even say what Michael McCarthy would consider a curse word. It's <laughs> quarter to 11 on a Sunday night and it's we, we yeah, apologise for that. And that, yeah. that's not their own sensibilities. That's the watershed the, isn't the issue the, there. That's though. the broadcasting yeah. authority there is just so strict. But people, what I always think is just a, a misconception there is that the watershed isn't the issue. It's the programming. So sports programme would be considered general all viewing audience it doesn't matter what time of day that's yeah. on yeah. if you break those the rules of that particular sure. uh, whatever but it still, seems, it still seems particularly OTT oh yeah it's ridiculous but yeah, I'm nice. saying that's why they do it yeah. you wouldn't last out there I, I could just not do it <laughs> yeah. be well able I don't, I don't use certain words true Johnny Cohen has uh, yeah. called time exceptional career 
Yeah, absolutely. He says he's forever grateful for his time on the Galway hurling panel. The versatile Loch Rayman has announced his intercounty retirement after 12 years on the Galway squad. Cohen was deployed in midfield for the 2017 All-Ireland final win over Waterford and he also helped the tribesmen win two league titles and two Leinster championships. Johnny Cohen is one of those players, Joe, that will never get enough credit he'll never be kind of seen as the top five or six players on a county team but he's there for 12 years as Richie says you know would have been kind of in many times he'd be the type of player that they'd go back to when things weren't working out you know he was that kind of player he was the guy who set up Joe for that point in 2017 his work is like kind of uh, dogged work on the sideline knocks it back to Joe probably the most famous hurling point of all time that type of player people won't remember that he was involved in that they'll remember the Joe Canning moment and rightly so this isn't a mark against the great flashy players either but you need Johnny Cones to set up what Joe Canning's done and it's a, it, it's right that you'd celebrate a career like that when he announces retirement OK, very good uh, Shamrock Rovers, Richie they're not here to take part uh, no, they're not. No, they're set to raid Women's National League champion Shelburne for four players. Shells confirmed that Abby Larkin will be leaving the club less than a fortnight after announcing that she'd be staying for 2023. The Republic of Ireland International appears destined for Rovers with Shelburne teammates Amanda Budden, Shauna Fox and Jess Gargan set to join her. Rovers return to the WNL next season after a seven-year absence and they've already signed Anya O'Gorman, Stephanie Roach and Melissa O'Kane. There was also a deleted tweet uh, from Shelburne today which was alluding, it seems, to the departure of Larkin and others uh, that was uh, obviously as I say since deleted so uh, Shamrock Rovers uh, I guess gathering of their squad for 2023 is not going down well in some circles I was ju- well I was going to ask Richie at, at what point has this crossed over from being a very 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 welcome injection of money into the women's league to a negative story well it was to a degree this was always going to happen because if you add a, an existing entity into the league which is already a, a pretty small league in and of itself it's only available talent pool for the best possible players is the Women's National League so it's natural that they will go for uh, their competitors uh, which they're, they're immediate competitors um, so I absolutely understand that I think uh, I, I think where the, the issue would arise perhaps is, is the Larkin issue if she had committed to stay for 2023 and has decided to go that is an issue because obviously Shelburne clearly never got it in writing um, one would suspect because uh, otherwise why would she be leaving and secondly it just shows the ambition I guess of Rovers and they know exactly what they're looking for and they've got a really good manager it seems in there too to, to look after them for next season they're going to be a force from the off and that I think is what has people rattled because we've had P-Mount and Shelburne and Wexford Youths being up there in Athlone challenge them last season mm-hmm. but those are the main three uh, to have somebody break into that uh, upper upper bubble is going to be um, it's going to be it's going to make for interesting watching I'll put it that way It's just an odd one isn't it it's like unparalleled I can't has this ever happened before in certainly in a sport that we're aware of or follow like where a team will come in it's almost like an expansion team in American sports but they will have very specific rules in the types of leagues they are as to what kind of players they'll get or what kind of drafts they'll be able to have but in this case it's like team comes in out of nowhere takes pick a Shelburne's players pick a P-Mount's players I know they definitely have at least one of Atlone's best players and it's like you're it's yeah. forming a super team almost at yeah. the expense of the teams that were there doing it. I, I'm not for or against it. I just, I, I find it very strange. I've never seen it before. I feel like there's got to be an example, but maybe you're right. I The, the closest I can remember 
in, in terms of domestically anyway would be something like it's not at the same level I don't think as when uh, the Dublin City slash Sporting Fingal project whereby they were essentially parachuted in we didn't really need another Dublin team in the league and they were buying and getting all available players um, but I don't think there's been anything recent to kind of occur to this no, mm, that was like Tony Sheridan level, probably past his best, wasn't it? Yeah, like it's, yeah, yeah it's still yeah. like it was. Yeah, it's a fair point. But PSG founded in 1970, but it's still, I don't think they uh, walked into proceedings with yeah. a bang like that. They've, they've been a not a big club like they are now, but they've been a big French club all of our lives. Mm. You know, like I remember Jean Jean Marie Pap. What's it? Jean Pierre Papin. Jean Pierre Papin. I knew I had that yeah. wrong. Uh, playing for them, like you know, in the 90s, like so they were. They certainly always were. A I think. Side. The, the one that uh, sprung to mind there was somebody like an Angie uh, Makachkala. Do you remember them? They had a few quid behind them in Russia for a few years because of a, a wealthy benefactor and were signing everybody and for big money as well. I think Chris Samba left Blackburn for them. He was one of their big signings for a stupid amount of money. Uh, and they looked like they were going to be that kind of team. But yeah. that's the closest. Maybe it's City up. and Chelsea. Like, yeah, you know, it, it's probably they're not necessarily cleaning out all the rivals because they're probably they're just in a stronger position than the likes of Shelburne and Piedmont would be. Bigger, but Bigger talent pool to pick from. Yeah. Uh, thanks, Mick, says Aiden91. The kids are crying now. Oh, no. You made children cry. That's, you want to check your parents? Your parenting there. <laughs> Don't put it back on Aiden. I will! <laughs> That's unbelievable. So, we are staying domestic football? Yeah, striker Ethan Varian has joined Cork City on loan from Bohemians for the 2023 season. And Slugger Rovers have made Nando Pineacre's low move from Rio Ave a permanent one. The New Zealand international made 36 appearances for the Bitter Red in all competitions last season. Uh, the All-Ireland Club football semi-finals are going to be played as a double header at Croke Park. Kilmacud Croaks will play Karen's O'Reilly's in the first of those games on Sunday, January the 8th. That will have a 1.30 throw-in and it will be followed by the meeting of Glenn of Derry and Go is Mike Cullen. And that is due to throw in at half past the three okay uh, interesting new pilot scheme on the rugby front yeah this had been mentioned in dispatches I think um, David Nussifor had spoken about this in his end of year briefing uh, a few weeks ago the RFU confirming a combined provinces 15 will compete in a pilot women's Celtic challenge tournament the competition will involve one team each from Ireland Scotland and Wales playing home and away fixtures over a six week period from the end of January the combined provinces 15 will be overseen by Irish coaches Greg McWilliams and John McKee and will be comprised of contracted 15s players and club players under consideration for the Six Nations it's intended to provide high quality rugby in preparation for the Six Nations and the ambition of all involved is to launch a six team tournament with two teams from each country in 2024 Wow that's great I mean if that catches on that could be a complete game changer for all concerned and a dearth of high quality rugby is the big issue for the Irish female players so um well, hopefully that catches on the way they hope. You could see it working. Six-team tournament, two teams from each country. That's mm. a, a potentially about the right uh, depth to launch Real with. league, yeah. yeah. Exactly. Darts, meanwhile, it is the season. Oh, absolutely it is. And Josh Rock says there's more to come from him after he eased into round three at the PDC World Arts Championship today. The Antrim youngster beat Callan Rids by three sets to nil and has set up a meeting with Nathan Aspinall on Tuesday. Rock doesn't believe he even played to his full potential today. I'm happy I got the win, but Callum didn't play his game, and I still haven't played my game yet in this stage. That's quite scary, though. So you're saying there's more to come from Josh Rock in this tournament? I know there's more to come from Josh Rock. But when you stand up in this stage, obviously there's different pressure on you. You have to learn to deal with it. But at the same time, Callum didn't play his game, and I didn't play my game. 
Uh, heartache though for Cork's John O'Shea who threw away a 2-0 lead to lose 3-2 to Darius Labanowskis. Tonight's session sees Limerick's Willie O'Connor take on Gabriel Clements of Germany and three-time champion Michael Van Gerwen goes up against young Welsh qualifier Louis Williams. So uh, last story or two, I know you have Christopher Vivelle as the new technical director mm. at Chelsea. Also, Eddie Jones has been speaking. I mean, before that uh, uh, crazy kind of story coming from Benetton Rugby. Yeah, we'll get to the Benetton one first, I guess. Uh, Benetton have apologised after a racist incident at their own secret Santa event. Guinea-born prop Sheriff Traore was given a rotten banana as part of his present and went public with the issue on Instagram. Benetton say they condemn any racist incident, but they didn't make any mention of an investigation into it. Meanwhile, Eddie Jones, you mentioned speaking publicly for the first time since his sacking as England head coach. The Australian relieved of his duties last week following a disastrous autumn in which they won just once and that against Japan, where Jones is for the time being. Steve Borthwick was installed as Jones' successor earlier this week and speaking on BBC Radio 4's Today Show earlier this morning, Jones said he had no regrets about his time in charge and that he wouldn't have done anything differently. Yeah, nah, not at all. Not at all. Look, there's, there's always judgments that you reflect back with the, with the value of hindsight. But in the moment, the decisions I made, look, I thought I was catching well, mate, you know, I was I was sacked in 2005 from Australia and I wasn't coaching well. You know, when I look back now, I don't I don't don't feel like I was coaching poorly at all. I thought I was coaching well, and that's the only thing I can control, mate. And I, you know, the thing that pleases me is that the number of players have come out and endorsed that, um, and they and particularly for players to say that now, where they get they can gain nothing from that from doing that. Yeah, it probably probably makes me reflect that I was coaching pretty well, but sometimes the results don't go your way, mate, and you pay for it. <laughs> Uh, he's just interesting though. I love listening to Eddie Jones <laughs> I really his, like him I love his uh, his cadence and every the way uh, oh. just the way he talks the, the, the word Cheka, mate just used Michael Checker had that too that Australian thing it's just very oh, charming it's amazing it's amazing and it's like the word mate is just so perfectly used in every way and uh, yeah his, <laughs> I think he was coaching well from what I heard there but yeah I don't know I'm going to miss him oh, big time. I am going to miss him I'm going to miss rooting against him but at the same time I think that's literally just because he was England coach I think I'd like him anywhere else you know yeah, absolutely yeah. Uh, Joe can mix a drink and arse to complete the evening script go on says Alan Blackrock oh. well you might as well I mean the evening's gone to hell anyway Alan so don't actually don't I'm not a puppet <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we are pretty much done. Any other business? Yeah, I just wanted to mention one thing, Joe. Um, Franco Harris uh, died today. He was 72. Uh, he was a member of the Pittsburgh Steelers team that won four Super Bowls in the 1970s. Um, he was the running back on that team. People who watched that, you know that America's game, that yeah. brilliant uh, Super Bowl retrospective that they do, um, NFL Network, people would see it on Sky. He was one of the stars of one of the early ones of them. He's just a gentleman. But he's most famous for a... Um, uh, a play that they called in America the Immaculate Reception uh, which actually got <laughs> things going on that uh, run it was, it, it was the Steelers first playoff win right. they're losing time up against the Raiders ball gets thrown by Terry Bradshaw the quarterback it bounces off the receiver who he's going for his head Franco Harris heads up play to end all heads up plays keeps his eye on the ball catches it and makes a 60 yard touchdown run 
to win the game for the Steelers their first playoff win they didn't win the Super Bowl that year but they would go on to win four Super Bowls probably the best American football team of all time or certainly one of the top two or three and uh, yeah Franco Harris always came across as one of those gents so sad to see that he died today it was the anniversary of that. it's the anniversary of that this week as well and they were going to retire his jersey as part of the celebrations of that oh, well, uh, anniversary too timing, so it's yeah, uh, yeah it's, uh, it's woeful time I, I presume maybe it's a stupid question they, Bradshaw doesn't throw it off a person's head deliberately <laughs> That's, that's not part of the that's, play that's next Terry Bradshaw was a wild head. character but I don't think that makes maybe, sense. maybe in the future that's something they could do where a guy right. could run bounce off the head this has got to hit this guy's head you're the only one going to be paying attention because that would be genius now this was just he this was just Harris okay. playing the ball uh, but it's also just it's just the, the look of it the drama the fact that it was with time up just made it and the fact that it was this huge playoff game just made it probably one of the most famous plays in NFL history but Harris's career beyond that like I mean he had 12,000 rushing yards that he went on and won four Super Bowls he was the linchpin the key offensive player in that team that goes down as one of the most famous ever so um, yeah look it's a sad day Okay, that is the news round for this evening Richie thank you nice and that's Michael staying with us we're going to be chatting through uh, his and Arthur's sporting moments of the year in just one second